and for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So when he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph, Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband, and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, What do you seek? Or, Why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. So we are in John chapter 4. Um, I, I titled the sermon, A Divine Appointment, to meet a special needs. A couple of years ago, I went to United States for the first time. So by the way, when I came from Haiti, I went to Miller College of the Bible in Saskatchewan, okay, as a student. That's where I was during my 
um, during my time. But I had a sister in New Jersey, so I wanted to go and visit her. So I went to visit her. So I was in the United States for the first time. I don't know how the bus system works, okay? So I needed to go visit um, one of my mentors who live in Pennsylvania. But I needed to take the bus to go to the train. I didn't have a cell phone, so I didn't know, I didn't, I didn't have an opportunity to call my, uh, my mentor to say if I'm going to be late or not. So I told my sister, you need to give me specific um, instructions when the bus going to be there, when I need to be there. Like, I don't know anything. She said, okay. Usually, they come five minutes early, or they are four minutes late. So just try to be there on time. I said, oh, whoa, okay. So our house was about five minutes from the bus station. So I said, okay, if I leave at this time, I will get there at that time. So I give myself like four minutes to get to the, train, um, to the bus station. So hopefully, the bus will not be five minutes early, because if it does, if it is, I'm going to miss it. So as I'm, I'm walking to the bus station, I saw the bus, but I need to cross the street. There was a, it's a busy street, so I need to wait. By the time I'm waiting, the bus stopped, picked up the people, and left. So now I'm missing my bus. So I don't have, an, I don't have access to call my mentor saying, I'm going to be late. I'm going to miss the train. But I know less than five minutes down the, down the road, there's another bus stop. Maybe if I run fast enough, I will make it. So I start running after the bus. I missed that stop again. I said, maybe I will make it. I will make it. Eventually, I got to the train station, just walking to the train station and running. (laughs) Frustrated, thirsty, tired. Because now my mentor doesn't know because I missed my train. That's all that's going on in my head. So when I get to the train station, they say, sir, um, your train is delayed for an hour. I was like, what? Yeah, you need to wait. Um, now, again, I don't have access to tell my mentor or my sister what's happening. So I had a book. I grabbed my book, and I started reading. There was a lady beside me and with um, a young boy, and she said to me, what are you reading? Are you reading your Bible? I said, no, but I always have my Bible with me, so I grabbed my Bible and showed it to her. And she said, what are you reading? i just like, just reading a well, you know, a book. I was reading a, a book my wife gave me, uh, Pride and Prejudice. So that's what I was reading. And she said, what's your accent? I said, hey, I'm Haitian, so I'm from Haiti. And, and she said, oh, I remember that earthquake that happened in Haiti and how many people. Listen, if you don't want me to tell you about the gospel, don't talk about the earthquake, because that's how God saved me, right? So when she said that, I said, oh, actually, I was in the earthquake. Where, where I was, approximately 500 people died. I was at my university building. Professors and students were buried alive. Like, I walked out of a place where only dust on my face. Like, no, bro- no broken bones, no bruises. Like, I walked out of chaos where approximately in Haiti, 300,000 plus people died. I walked out of that place. God saved me. So as I'm telling her my story, she started crying. And I'm just like, um, what just happened here? I said, are you okay? She said, no, I'm okay. It's just like, I can't remember the last time I read my Bible. I can't remember the last time I went to church and you talking to me just reminded me that I need to go back again and start reading my Bible and start going to church. And then I start understanding why I missed my bus, why I start running and still missing the bus because God wanted me to talk to this woman. In the Gospel of John, chapter 4, 
It says Jesus had to go through Samaria. Okay? Usually the Jews, there are two ways you can go to um, you can go there. You can take the shorter the, the shorter route or you can take the longer route. But because the Jews hated the Samaritans so much, they would prefer to walk the longer route. Okay? Because they would not want to walk in the same path as a Samaritan. They would not want to encounter a Samaritan. So they would take the route through Peria, that is east of the Jordan, because they would not want to meet with a Samaritan. But Jesus had to go through Samaria because there is a daughter in there is the, there is a daughter that he is going to meet. There is a daughter of God who needs to hear what Jesus has to tell her. So every time I read that story, I try to put myself in this lady's shoes because she is, as you read in the story, she is rejected by other by others. She is um, an outcast. She is considered as unclean, even by her own people. I try to put myself in her shoes. What happened to her that caused her to leave behind everything, to go to the city, to tell people what happened to her, to tell people about this man that she just met and that told her everything about her life? Can this be the Christ? What happened to her? What transformation, what kind of transformation happened that caused her to leave behind everything, to go to the people that rejected her, to go to the people that see her, that saw her as unclean, for her to tell them, can this be the Christ? Why don't you come with me? Come see, can this be the Christ? Something is very fascinating when you read the gospel. Anyone who meets Jesus... They do not remain the same person. Something has to go. Something has to change. You cannot meet Jesus and remain the same person. Okay? You can come as you are, but you are not living as you came. If you are not an electrician, you cannot touch a 240,000 volt and remain the same person. You cannot. You cannot meet with Jesus and remain the same person. Something has to change. You cannot. So there's a divine appointment. This woman is meeting somebody very important, but she didn't know it. So there is a, I do believe the um, chapter 3 of John and chapter 4 of John, they put those stories together because there's a sharp contrast between those two stories. In chapter 3, Jesus has this interview with Nicodemus, okay? He is a religious leader who came to Jesus by night and wanted to talk to him. It was during this encounter we have that famous um, verse, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave, his, he gave his only Son, and whoever believes in him will have eternal life, will not perish. It was during that time, and Jesus told him, like, you have to be born again. And he was like, what? What do you mean be born again? So, Jesus said, you have to receive God's free gift again. So there's a sharp contrast from chapter 3, uh, like between Nicodemus and this, this lady. He was seeking. She was indifferent. 
He was a respected ruler, accepted by society. She was an outcast. He was serious. She was flippant. He was a Jew. She was a despised Samaritan. He was presumably moral. She was immoral. He was, he was orthodox. She was heterodox. He was learned in religious matters. She was ignorant. He was a man. She was a woman. Yet, in spite of all the differences between the, this churchman and this woman of the world, yet they both need to be born again. They both need what only Jesus could give them. The contrast here is that a rabbi would not talk to a woman for many reasons. One of them, if she, during the month, you know, when she has a period, if she talks to the rabbi, rabbi will become unclean. So rabbi, at that time, don't talk to women. Okay? But also, now he's talking to a Samaritan. Not a woman, but a Samaritan woman. And I will tell you why that is a big deal. But sometimes when you read the story, you might just glance over it. You don't really know what's going on. There's a big deal going on in the story. They hated each other. Samaritans and Jews hated each other. And this is why it says Jesus had to go through Samaria. So the Pharisees, like Nicodemus, who were the Pharisees? So they were a religious party. They were strict in obeying the law of Moses and other regulations. And they kept adding to the law. They kept adding to the more rules and more rules. You need to do this. You need to do that. And they were hostile to the teaching of Jesus because they, they saw the teaching of Jesus as compromising the law of Moses. Okay? Because they thought, or oh, some of them still believe that Moses is greater than Jesus. So Jesus had to leave Samaria to go. No, he has to leave um, Judea and to go to Samaria. So here's what happened with the history of Samaritans and Jews. Why? Some of the reasons why they hated each other that much. The Samaritans were descendant of two groups. The remnant of the native Israelites who were not deported after the fall of the northern kingdom in 722 B.C. When they took the most important people okay, and take them to Babylon, the leftover were the ones that stayed in Israel. See, That's the first group. Foreign colonists brought in from Babylon and Midian by Assyria conquerors to settle in the land with inhabitants who will be loyal to them. So they are the leftover people, and now people coming in to be loyal to Babylon, right? So there were theological opposition between Samaritans and Jews. One says you need to worship on Mount Gerizim. One said you need to worship on Mount Zion. So when the Jews were allowed to return home to rebuild the temple, to rebuild the wall, the Samaritans opposed them. Okay? Nehemiah and Ezra. The Samaritans opposed them. 
The Samaritans helped Syria in the war against the Jews in 128 B.C. So they fight. They're constantly fighting. So the high priest... Uh, the high priest retaliated and burned the Samaritan temple on Mount Gerizim. So there is a fight. There, there is a hatred for each other. So when you hear the story, Jesus had to go through Samaria, he's breaking so many walls. Racial, political, cultural. He's doing a lot. And this is why it's a big deal. So his action, Jesus' actions communicating to the Jews that he doesn't see the Samaritans the same way the Jews see them. They are precious in God's sight. Like Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14 um, and 16, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh, the law with its commands and regulation. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which, by which he put to death their hostility. Not only that Jesus had to go through Samaria, but his disciples had to follow him. If you're a follower of Jesus, he will take you places that you would not think you, would, you yourself would not want to go. But because your, your master is going, you got to go. So they had to follow Jesus through Samaria. You know, I don't know if we have some people in here today that you feel like you have some Samaritans in your life that you don't want to talk to. You have some people that you would prefer to cross the street instead of walking on the same pathway as them. I don't know if you have, you know, maybe this in-law that kind of drives you crazy, that you, you see them as Samaritans, or a group of people at work that you kind of, oh, I, would, I would love for you to get sick so that I can have a better day at work. I don't know if you have this kind of group of people that you would choose to cross the street because you don't want to make eye contact with them. You don't want to talk to them. So if yes, I would like you to ask yourself this question. Would Jesus hang out with these people? Would Jesus tell them about God's work, that God's free gift? Because if he would, as hard as it is, we should follow our master. So, in verse 5 and verse 6, there is a a biblical imagery here. Um, Often in the Old Testament, when a man meets a woman by the well, do you know what's coming? A wedding. They're going to be a wedding. Okay? So now, this Samaritan woman, who already had five husbands, and the one she's living with is not even her husband, she's meeting a woman, uh, meeting a man at the well, in other men. So, for instance, in Genesis chapter um, 29, Jacob also met his wife by the well and provided water for her. Moses met his future wife by the well. In Genesis chapter 24, Abraham's servant find a wife for Isaac by the well. And this woman, she knows those stories. 
And she's meeting that man who presumably doesn't know her by the well. So there is a wedding coming, right? But instead of a wedding, Jesus is offering her something greater. He's offering her the gift of God. He offered her the living water. The water that can quench her thirst. Because what she didn't know, that's what John says in John, uh, John chapter 2, verse 24 and 25, that Jesus knows what's going on in our hearts. You don't need to tell him. He knows already. When he saw this woman, he already knew what's going on in her heart. He knows her thirst already. Okay? She's probably seeking for attention. Five husbands, the one you live with, now it's not your husband. She's seeking for like significance, affection, worth, beauty, and, ex- and you just fill in the blank. She is thirsty, and she thinks finding this man, finding this man will fill me in, will fill my void. The only thing she didn't know is that she's in the presence of the, the only guy who can do that for her, and she didn't know it. Have you ever been in the presence of somebody, very important, that you would do everything you can to chat with that person, okay? And you were in their presence and you didn't know it. I was traveling to Haiti. I was in the airplane with a bunch of guys who, they were well-known in Haiti. I didn't know them, okay? But they were well-known to Haitian people. I was in the same airplane as them, going through um, immigration. We were like shoulder to shoulder. I didn't know them, so I didn't pay attention to them. As soon as we walked out, there were cameras and people like taking pictures and autographs. And I was like, who are these people? Like, and then they started telling me who they were. They were important people in Haiti. They were like singers and artists, but I didn't know them. I was in presence of so-called important people, but I didn't know them. I could, get, I could have gotten all their autographs, take pictures with all of them, because I was sitting beside them in the airplane, but I didn't know it. She was in the presence of the creator of the universe, and she didn't know it. She was in the presence of the person who can fill her void, but she didn't know it. But he knows what she needs. So when you think about it, the woman came to the well alone. When you read the, the Old Testament, the woman came, will come to the well with a group of women, not alone. The reason why she came alone is because she was an outcast. She was rejected by others. And the time she came was the time when the sun was beating down, was like really hot. You will not find people coming to get water during that time. So she saw a man coming, and this man used that pickup line, give me a drink. I remember um, when I, while, while I was at Miller, there was a, a girl basketball game, and Leah, my wife now, but at that time we were just interested in each other, and there was a girl in, the, in Miller, Miller's basketball, game, um, basketball team, her name was Rachel, okay? But she was so good. She was playing really well. My wife's name, now, my, the girl I was interested in, which is my wife, her name is Leah. Okay? The girl on the court, her name is Rachel. So I looked at Leah, and I said, I'll pick Rachel over Leah all the time. And the look I got, it's a biblical joke, okay? The, the look I got, she said, you will pick up Rachel over Leah? And then I realized, oh, no, that's not what I mean. Like, I tried to, you know, 
trying to, to save myself, but I put my, my foot in, I put my foot in my mouth already. It was too late. But Jesus said to this woman, give me a drink. It is significant. Because this woman is thinking, if you touch what I touch, you will become unclean. There is no relationship between you and me. You are a man. I'm a woman. I'm an unclean woman. You suppose, presumably, a clean man. You have nothing to do with me. Why are you asking me for a drink? But Jesus' question was intentional. He was aware of where he's going with the conversation. So the background of the statement used nothing in common is the general assumption among Jews and the, and the Samaritans were usually unclean. So the, usually the, uh, the Jews will refer to the Samaritans as dog. So when you hear the word dog, I don't want you to think of your cute dog. Okay, that's not it. No. In the Old Testament, it was an insult. This is why the Jews call the Gentiles dogs. Like nothing. It was an insult. Okay? Thus, a a Jew would use a, a, a drinking vessel after a Samaritan had touched. It would become ceremonially unclean. A rabbi will not touch a woman's stuff because you never know she might be during that time. She was considered unclean. Even if you're married, the rabbi will not sleep on the same bed during that time because you will be considered as unclean. But what she didn't know is that everything Jesus touches become clean. Jesus touches lepers Lepers become clean. So there's that story in Mark chapter 12, no, Mark chapter 5, verse 24, verse 25 and 34. It says, There was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. Probably you know that story. She checked with all kind of doctors, nothing happened. This woman, because of her blood issue, she was considered as an outcast. She had to live outside of the wall, outside of the community. She could not come to the market. If she's coming to the market, she had to scream, unclean coming, unclean coming, unclean coming. So unclean person coming, everybody has to let her through. Because if she touched anybody, that person has become unclean. But she heard of the testimony that there is a man who's been healing people around. And she said, probably if I can just touch his, his garment, I will be clean. So she, she disguised herself, and she's pushing through the crowd. So everybody she pushed through and touched become unclean. She put her life in danger because if she got caught, they would stone her to death because you made all these people unclean. So she got close to Jesus and touched Jesus' garment. And she said instantly, immediately, she felt healed. And Jesus looked and said, who touched me? And the disciples said, Come on, everybody's pressing on you. Everybody's touching. She just said, no, 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 no. Somebody touched me. I felt power going out. Who touched me? And that's, the woman came out and said, I did. And Jesus said, go, your faith has made you well. She thought touching him will make him unclean. Touching him make her clean. 
the people that you are rejecting, the people that you prefer to cross the street because you don't want to see them, you don't want to make eye contact, you don't want to talk to them, you consider them as unclean. These people, these are the ones that Jesus is sending you, sending me to these people. So in verse 10 and 15, there's that God's gift. Jesus is talking about the living water. That free gift. So what this woman saw, he saw a tired man, a tired Jew, maybe confused, because he's asking for water. He will not touch my, my container. So probably he's confused and tired. That's what she saw. But Jesus said, if you, if she had known who it was that was asking her for a drink, she would have been pressing him for a better water. The gift of God that she does not recognize is probably the eternal life that only Jesus can give. So three things are going on in her mind now. Who, who does he think he is? What is the gift of God? What is living water? Because now she said, our ancestor Jacob gave us this well. And do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob? Who do you think you are? You're a Jew. You think you're superior than us, and now you think you have a better water to give us. So since she was not understand what's going on here, Jesus is going to get into the roots of the problem. So when you come to Jesus, he doesn't deal with the surface. He deals with the roots of the problem. Okay? When you see a tree, you see the fruit. You see the fruit because of the tree. Okay? Jesus is dealing with the root, not the surface, the root of the problem. He asked her, go get your husband. Because she said, give me this water. I want, I want this water so that I will not come here at that time. I will not need to come here and get humiliated. I, other people will see I have that living water. Give me this water. But she was still confused. Jesus said, go get your husband. And remember, she's by the well, talking to a new man. Go get your husband. Well, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, that's right. You tell the truth. You don't have a husband because the one you live, you are, you are with now is not even your husband. Okay, this guy is getting really personal now. Okay, How do you know all this stuff about me? You must be a prophet. She has to do something. is to accept that conversation or try to change the conversation. She changed the conversation. You must be a prophet. If you're a prophet, let's see if we can solve this problem here. The Samaritan says, um, says, you need to worship on Mount Gerizim. The Jews says, you need to worship on Mount Zion in Jerusalem. Which one is accurate? Which one should we go with? Because it seems like you're a prophet. And that's when Jesus says, the time is coming. Woman, the time is coming. When it's neither... Mount Gerizim or Jerusalem, that you will need to worship the Father. You will worship Him in spirit. But He's talking about His death. So He's referring to the coming death of His um, coming death, which would inaugurate a new phase of worship in God's economy. Jesus told her. 
salvation is from the Jews. That doesn't mean like all the Jews are saved. That's not what he meant. But salvation is from the Jews. Jesus is the seed that they were expecting. Okay? He was born of the seed, not seeds, the seed of Abraham. He was the promise that they've been waiting for. So this woman is a woman who has lost all hope. Desperate. She was socially isolated. She was living on the periphery of society. But she had a void that only Jesus can fill. Jesus completely changed her life. She's not the same person anymore. She realized that she's talking to the Messiah because Jesus, that's the first time in the gospel, Jesus referred to her to somebody that he is the Messiah. And, she, and he referred that, he told that, he revealed that to a woman. Not a Jew, a Samaritan woman. And Luke will say, the gospel of Luke, he came to seek and to save those who were lost. He had to go through Samaria because there is a daughter, a precious one, a loved one. He came not only for the Jews, he came for this woman too, the one that considered as unclean. So, now she left everything behind. She goes to the city and tells the people who've been rejecting her, Guess what, guys? I met a man. What do you think the people would say? Well, duh. That's not your first man. But she, probably she knows that's what they're going to say, but she still tell them, I've met a man. He told me everything about myself. Can this be the Christ? Can this be the one that we've been waiting for? Can this be the one that the Old Testament prophets have been talking about? Can this be the Christ? The people came and invited Jesus to stay. And tons of people accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. First revival, a Samaritan woman rejected by the Jews, rejected by the Pharisees, who, holy, air quote, holy, and Jesus, who is holy, who is set apart, had to go through Samaria to meet with this woman because he knows if I fill her void, if I give her the desire that she, want, she, she wants, she will tell people that transformation. And people will come and hear. Let me tell you, sometimes you are the one blocking my blessing. Let me explain that. Because of your disobedience, my, you block my blessing. Because you choose not to go talk to that in-law, to go talk to that worker, to go talk to that colleague, to go talk to that person. You are blocking other persons' blessings. For instance, Jonah. He tried his best not to go. Because there was a nation who was going to get destroyed. Don't look at people and say, you're unclean. You're not worth it. You're too deep in sin. God's hands is too short to reach you. There's no way. You're not, you're not worthy. God is not going to do it. It's too much of a work. 
And God is saying, these are the people that I, I sent you. These are the people I sent you to. These are the people I came for. These are the people that I died for. Amen. Yeah. We are all precious in his eyes. And that's how he wants you to, to see it. Let's say I have a $5 bill. Okay, I left my wallet in my car, so I totally forgot it. Let's say I have a $5 bill. Okay, and I say I'm going to give it to one of you. What do you have to do to receive that $5? Help me out here. Sorry? Okay. You have to take it. You have to walk and take it. Exactly. It's a free gift. You don't have to do anything to receive it. You just have to walk toward it and receive it. And this is God's gift to anyone here this morning who, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He's inviting you to accept that free gift. And if you know Him, enjoy that free gift. Enjoy that living water that is in you. But He wants you to tell others who don't have that living water. Instead of crossing the street, instead of avoiding talking to this in-law or to this co-worker, to whoever that is, He's saying, go to them. Because you never know. Maybe God is at work in their lives already. You just don't know that. Amen. And probably them coming to know the Lord, it's, you just open the door for generations to come to know the Lord. <coughs> because of this woman who went to the city and tell people about Jesus, a lot of people came to know the Lord. Not only these people, I bet you they're generation after generation after generation came to know the Lord. Your disobedience is blocking others' blessings. When God says go, as hard as it is, as hard as it can be, go. Probably He's at work already. The best thing you can do is to join God in what He's doing already. Because, you know, if He's doing already, it will, He will finish it. The best thing Join him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you because you are at work in my life, in our lives. You're, you're bringing people to your kingdom. People that we might think they are too far, too deep in sin. People we might think that they, they, they would not listen. But Father, you're already at work in their lives. You just want to use us, Father, to go and, and, and tell them the gospel. Father, I pray that when the door is open, when, 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 when you tell us to go, Father, we will listen. We will listen and walk by faith and go tell them about you. Jesus, I pray if there is anyone here this morning who doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, or who is still um, reluctant, Father, I pray they will accept that free gift, that this living water, which is an imagery of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, overflowing um, our lives, Father. I pray that you will open our eyes. We will open their eyes to see what you're doing. In Jesus' powerful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.